0: Today, I'm talking about uh, influencing through education. We're, in this series, talking about the way to take our city, the way to love people to Jesus in our state, the way to change and influence our nation, and change and influence the world. These seven areas we're talking about will make a huge difference in turning things in this world. I'm beginning to see as I go through this series that every area I'm talking about, whether it's arts and entertainment, education, next week, government, all along the way, everything we're talking about, uh, the problem has been largely that the church has disappeared out of those realms and kind of huddled up in the walls uh, of buildings like this one. And although that's an okay thing and a good thing to fellowship among Christians, it never, ever was the plan of God. So we've lost much influence in this nation because we've decided not to go out there and be salt and light. And I see that the same way with this uh, this topic today, influencing through education. Here's what it says in Proverbs sixteen sixteen: How much better to get wisdom than gold, and good judgment than silver. Now, when I think of wisdom in the public school education system, for some reason, it didn't capture me. In college, I I caught that academic bug, but I never got it in high school. Uh, I remember I was very disinterested in the classroom most of the time. One such day at Dallas High School, about 50 minutes from here, a bedroom community out of Salem, where I was going to high school there, we were having a speech class. And in that class, we were reading, about 10 or 15 minutes of reading. It was a very boring class. It was a hot day. It was almost near the end of the school year, about this time. And the windows, you know those side windows that tilt out from the top that way? I was sitting right by one of them. And flies were coming in from everywhere. And so I'm supposed to be reading, I know this, but I, I catch a fly, you know, I'm just kind of tempted to do that, and they're a little bit slow for some reason, and, and I kill it, and so I got it on my desk, and I catch a couple more. Well, I start making little graves with 3D gravestones on them, and I got a buddy, he got one, and handed it to me, you know, and so I got Sly Fly, and all, you know, these names for RIP on this thing, and so pretty soon I have eight or nine flies dead on my desk with all these graves I've drawn. And I having, having fun, and then I catch one, and it's just barely on the edge, about to escape. And I didn't want to press it with the end of my finger, right? Because that's gross, and so I kind of wanted to do the palm thing. So I, I, I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll blow it into my hand. So I, mar- I put it up like this, and I must have sucked in before I blew up. Because <laughs> that thing went right into my mouth and started going crazy on the top of my mouth, just tickling me. And I lost track of where I was. I mean, it's a quiet classroom. I jumped up and started going, and moved the desk around like that. The teacher has no idea what's happening. He thinks I'm just disrupting. And pretty soon the fly goes like this. Well, I have a couple buddies that are on the floor laughing because they (laughs) saw this happening. And the teacher says, what are you doing? And the class is sat, And I go, there was a fly in my mouth. And they all roared, you know. He didn't believe me, so he literally drug me out of that classroom by my ear, Mr. Gilbert, not one of my favorites, I might add, but he, he took me down the, down the hallway, and he took me to the principal's office, who I knew a little bit. I'd been there a couple times before, <laughs> and he said this story about what had happened. I disrupted and spit on my classmates, and it was all true, you know, but he, he wouldn't believe my story, and then the principal said, <clears throat> okay, what happened, Stan, and he, the teacher left, and... I said, "Well, you're not going to believe." It. He said, "Tell me." So I said, "Well, there's a fly, and I put him." Oh, and that's what happened. He said, "I have been a principal for 20 years, and I have never heard a story like that. It must be true." That's what he said to me. I said, "It is." He said, "Well, you can go." I said, "Back to class." He said, "No, don't go to class." Another day, but not today. So needless to say, it, it never captured me, that public school system. But knowledge is a good thing. And, and somehow it was escaping me, my youth. Here in God's word, we see that it's good to get wisdom, better than gold. So let's see, how can we really capture our society? How can we capture these students, public, private, church, and otherwise, as we're educating them? Well, here's four principles that I want to share with you this morning. The first is this. Learning wisdom from God's word is the most important education. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, I don't think people see the end of this one. I don't think they think about it much. They know this verse so well. L- Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Your mind. Somewhere along the way, Christians decided many, many years ago that elite education or getting more education uh, kind of went hand in hand with liberalism and and views that were anti-God. I want you to know if you study history in America, that is not true. If you look at all the Ivy League schools, almost all of them were started to impart the knowledge of God to people and then knowledge otherwise. And somewhere along the way, we lost it. And I want to tell you something. When you lose that realm of influence through education in our society, you will lose a large deal, a large part of society. Education is not evil. But understand that the base of education, the very best thing we can teach people to know, is the truth of God. Proverbs 4, 5 says, Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words and turn away from them. So wisdom is closely attached to his words and his ways. One of the things we've forgotten in America is we're just forgetting God. I mean, think of our early days with our founding fathers. It says on the dollar bill, in God we trust. If you tried to get that in now, as a matter of fact, it might be taken out. People are trying. But if you tried to get that on money now, there's no way initially you could get it in. It's harder to get it off, but you couldn't get it in anymore. The moral aspects of our whole system of law came from the Ten Commandments. You're aware of that, right? It's the way our nation was set up. And yet, even with these as our moorings, these people who love God, the pilgrims who came over and established a new society where they could worship God freely, we're leaving God behind as a nation and we're taking Him out of the public square, out of the public schools, not allowing the name of Jesus to even be spoken in our schools, I find it so interesting that uh, in the last five years, twice the Dalai Lama has come through and the Portland school system has given kids an option to to go listen to him. And so they bust thousands of kids in from our high schools in Portland to listen to the Dalai Lama. Why don't they do that with Luis Palau who's speaking to millions of people a year? Why don't they do that with the Pope even, for goodness sake? He's a man of God. But they won't. It's interesting that you can talk about all other religions, but you may not in America, in our public sector, talk about Jesus anymore. They're trying to stop it. Well, we know in the Bible and Acts that the men of God said, I cannot stop speaking in, this, in his name, that, that he, he's all I'm about and everything that I am. <clears throat> and as we look at our nation, it's interesting that we've come from here. Let me tell you about those Ivy Leagues. The first, uh, before I do that, let me tell you that the first schoolmaster Uh, in America was a man named John Cotton in 1635, a Puritan. And uh, virtually all the public school system that they set up in the early days had ministers as their headmasters. This is our history in America. I I mean pastors as the headmaster of the school. And reading, writing, and arithmetic were always secondary in values compared to the instruction of the ways of God. That's the way it was when our public school system started here in America. And in order to pre- prepare for life in this world, they would teach them that things should orbit around God's truth and all our thoughts should center around who He is and what He's spoken to help us and bless us in our lives. But we've certainly moved away from that, haven't we, in our, in our school systems anyway? Harvard University was founded in 1636. It was established for the purpose of training and releasing Uh, clergymen or pastors uh, with Puritan values into our society. Well, Harvard won't allow hardly anything Christian to be established these days. Yale University was founded in 1701 by 10 ministers. Princeton University was formed in 1746 by Presbyterian ministers to train ministers. And their motto was, check this out, this was Princeton's motto in the early days, under God's power she flourishes. Along the way, we have lost our moorings. Now Yale, along with many universities in America, this can be hard for you to believe, but this is right now, will not recognize Christian clubs, many of the universities in America. As a matter of fact, they will not let them meet on the university campus because uh, they, they say to be a part of the club, you have to be a, a Christian, which is not true. They invite others in. Uh, but now they can't even meet on many places in America. What's happened in America? We're turning away from God. Proverbs 14 tells us the danger of this. Doing what is right makes a nation great. But sin will bring disgrace to any people. We need an infusion of truth back in the public square. And I say this, let this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ be shared along with any other religious belief in our schools. I'm not afraid for them to say all that other stuff that they believe because here's what I know. When you put Jesus upside all these things and you have a discussion, the Holy Spirit shows up and Jesus will win. So I say, let's talk about any religion in the schools and let us talk freely about Jesus Christ and let us see what happens. A civil discussion has always been part of the American way, hasn't it? Well, we see here that the basis of real wisdom and knowledge that we need to get comes from God's word. And here it is. This is one of my favorite verses. Joshua 1.8. Do not let this book of the law depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. The word of God is so powerful. And it's, that's where real wisdom is. Second thought. Parents imparting God's wisdom to their children is crucial. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, it's the most important education. Parents teaching their children. Proverbs twenty-two six: Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. There's really two important elements in that verse. The first is, a, is this, a child does have to be trained in the way he should go. If you don't believe that, take a couple toddlers who both want a toy and toss that toy in the middle of them and see how it goes they're going to need a little instruction along the way about how to behave and what is the right thing to do. What a child naturally feels is not valid simply because they feel it. And our culture is leading us astray. As a matter of fact, our culture is teaching us to let our kids raise us. Whatever they want, wherever they want to go, whatever they want to do. That is not the truth of God's word. We're supposed to instruct them. There are influences and in behavior that need to be adjusted and corrected with children. And that passage, when it talks about the way that it should go, it talks about a narrow path that they need to be shown that is safe and will bless their lives. Second element I see in there is the the, the training one receives as a child will guide him or her when they're older. That's why we really have to impart the word of God into these little children because they'll take that set of values all through their life and it'll help them. Now, parents, listen to me. You can delegate your authority to educate your children about the truth of God. You can delegate it to a public system or even to the church. But when you abdicate your role, you are still responsible for the outcome with your children. You are the one that the Bible says is the most important educator for your children. God does not give the church or the public school system the responsibility to train children. He gives the responsibility to parents. One of the things we're seeing in studies these days is that birth to four years is crucial in the development of a child and their belief system. I mean, we're talking four years old. It's crucial because the parent's perspective becomes the critical factor for their development. The child is going to take on the values and beliefs that are modeled in the home. Whether they're intentionally or unintentionally taught, the child will receive the reality that that parent conveys. And the parent is going to put an imprint of their actual, not their desired value system on the child. What I mean by that is it's not just words, but it has to be example that's lived out. Not just saying what the word says, but living the word out for our children. Before they ever go to school, children will believe in a God who reveals truth or that there is no truth. And zero to four is a big deal. Playing those worship tapes, talking to them about Jesus, reading that children's Bible to them, talking to them about stories, talking about God's love. That value system is largely set in a life by four years old. If it's a good home, a parent or parents who are loving them, modeling Jesus, and putting the word in their life, it makes a huge, huge difference. And we need to remember that how we behave matters. My son Aaron uh, has a, Keen sense of exposing my weaknesses, a keen ability there, drawing it out of me, you know. And uh, I remember when he was um, about not quite two years old, he talked very early. And um, we're driving down the road near Salem, and there's not a car on the road. It's a sunny afternoon, we're coming back from church, and Aaron's in the back seat, and it's a child's seat back there, and Candace wasn't even around then, so it's just the three of us. And with no cars around, just out of the blue, out of the quiet, Aaron speaks out and says this, Come on, lady! So I I looked at Karen, and she goes... "Ah." And then when he was about five, we're, we're driving down the road, and it's just he and I in our 1992 blue caravan that I just thought was so cool. And we're driving along, and I'm obviously oblivious to... My actions at the moment because Aaron says to me, Dad, five years old, how come you can pick your nose and I can't pick mine? <laughs> and I said, with all the wisdom I could muster, Oh, look, a birdie. A, <laughs> it's a little distraction, that's all I had. I, I have grown in that area, I just would like you to know that. <clears throat> But you know, along the way, hopefully with my children, some good came through too. Because I tried to walk with them and talk to them about the love of God. And I'm not perfect, and, but I tried to talk to them about the forgiveness of God and the grace of God and a loving Father who loves us no matter what. And all these things are so important in the development of the child. Now parents, I think we're too afraid of a public school system that's not following God's values. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Uh, let's look at the life of Daniel for just a moment in the Bible. Daniel and his three friends are taken captive, not by their own free will. As teenagers, adolescents, they're taken captive and they're thrown into a Babylonian university. I'm just saying that. We'll call it a college, all right? They're they're thrown into it when they don't want to be there. They've been raised as Hebrew children of God. They love God and they're snatched away from their families as teenagers and thrown in this setting. They attended this university where this is what they studied, those Babylonians, this king that captured them. They had to study witchcraft and divination and other sordid subjects, these people that were taken from these homes where they loved God. And they, those weren't the only subjects, but with all the other subjects, these Hebrew children, these children of God were at the top of the class with knowledge and learning. So much so that they started to separate themselves as, as, as being very wise. Now they're surrounded by pagan, idolatrous culture. Yet none of them absorbs any of it. Isn't that interesting? They didn't take on those values. They influenced rather than being influenced. How did Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand in a Babylonian environment like that and come out strong for God? The answer is simply and profoundly what I'm talking to you about now. Those values were set in them by their parents, by their community that loved them. The word of God was established in their hearts and when they went in there, they didn't buy into all that other stuff because they were strong in God. Now what I'm telling you is I believe that we can raise up students who can be strong in God and influence our culture. But it starts right out of that crib telling them who he is, loving them, showing them that love. What Daniel and those three young men had been taught and modeled came through and they helped change a nation and turn it towards God. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen 18 says this, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. There's mind again. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Now here it is, teaching children our responsibility as parents. Teach them to your children, your children. Talking about them when you sit at home. This this pretty much means everywhere. And when you walk along the road. And when you lie down and when you get up. That's, that just means do life. Talking to them about God and his word. Write them down on the door frames of your homes, your houses, and on your gates. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give your forefathers as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth educating our children in the ways of God, showing them the love of God, the truth of God is paramount for influencing and changing this world. Third thought, the church can help your family. We're here to do that. Acts 5.42, day after day, they met in the temple courts. That's the big meeting like this, you guys are here. But there's really two principles in here I love. And then from house to house, that's the smaller meeting. And there's a smaller peer group meeting, like our life groups, where we meet and love each other. But you know, in the first hour, there are children being taught the Word of God in Sunday school classes uh, at different age levels uh, um, upstairs, with wonderful teachers who love Jesus and are pouring truth in. And and in our youth group, you know what your kids, they'll get a talk every year about God's uh, truth about sexuality, about God's view of dating. Uh, They'll get a a youth pastor and some youth workers who come alongside them, and they'll come into a talk at times where they'll hear about honoring your parents and loving your parents and, 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 and being a blessing and thinking about those things. Where else are these things being taught? Tell me. And what I find interesting is oftentimes people don't take advantage of that. Now, you're still the main responsibility, granted, but, man, we're trying to help, and I just, I beg you, let us help you. Get them here. If you start them early, it's all they know and they'll love it as they go. I want to tell you the story of a, of a girl who was influenced by a church and by our school, Horizon Christian High School. Her name is Mary Oksher. Now, we have uh, some pretty cool stories around here about what's happened in athletics with the high school. We've played in nine state championships in, in the last six years that we've been eligible, only years we've been eligible for sports, playing two levels above our attendance, and it's really kind of a God story. But you know, God doesn't count wins the same way the world does. And I want to tell you about a win that will surprise you. It happened with our girls' basketball team this year. The team had a couple key injuries and because of those injuries found themselves in a very difficult situation where they struggled to win. As a matter of fact, our girls' basketball team went 0-24 and this year. They did not win a game. And uh, <clears throat> there was... Only one good player left on the team after a couple of girls got injured, and the other player were, were international students who'd never played before that were on the team. And uh, so, so the coach, instead of, you know, coaching the high school level, has to go to third grade again, style, you know, to teach fundamentals, and we, we just don't have it. We're, you can look at it and say, you know, not even God can help this team win. That's, a, that's the way it looked, you know. <clears throat> but they're nice girls and we had a great coach and she loved on them but there was one girl named Mary Oxer, who was a very good player, the best player on the team and um, she found it difficult to, to be in that environment, a loss every game is tough but it was interesting the tack she took because the church had invested her, not our church by the way, and because the school, the teachers, and the atmosphere around here encouraged her and built this truth of God and, and the character of God and emphasized that, here's what Mary decided to do. Instead of moaning and complaining and griping that she's the only one who could play, Mary started to mentor. She started to love these girls, and she told her coach, I don't want to take all the shots. We have to teach them a system in the long run. We'll win because of the system, and I, I, don't, I, I just want to be a team player. And Mary loved them, and she nurtured them, and she discipled them even. And those girls absolutely loved Mary for it. So here's the culmination of, this is one of the greatest stories to ever come out of our high school, I believe. On the last game, senior night, this gym was packed for an 0-24 girls team, I might add. (laughs) tells you a little bit about the atmosphere around here. And as coaches often do, they'll take a senior out right near the end of the game so that people can clap for them. Well, the, the applause when Mary was taken out of the game, all those fans have seen what Mary's done all year long, just loving girls and blessing girls, not thinking about herself and her game, and being a total team player and believing in people who just flat out can't play and encouraging them. So when Mary was taken out of the game, there was an unbelievable standing ovation that was elongated and it kept lasting, it kept lasting. She came off the floor and when she watched for a little bit, she thought it would subside and it didn't, it kept going and Mary started to weep. Because she felt the love coming towards her. And when she went home and wrote in her Facebook that night, she said, I thank God for this Horizon community that has been so good to me tonight was the best night of my life. So here's the deal. Because her church and because this school tried to put these values and because she had such a tender, loving heart and she took them, she is an influencer who's going to change her world. Mary Oxer is going to be used greatly of God. So the world says state championship is the thing, but God says, hey, I can use O and 24 in a, an amazing way. And he did. And, and so when we look at these things and we see what can happen when the, when the church comes alongside, I just say, hey, let us, let us help you. De- Deuteronomy 4.40 talks about this community value here with, with, with the church coming alongside. It says, keep his commands and decrees, which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you. When these are put into people's lives, the truth about his love and his grace the truth of God, blessing will come forth from lives as people take them, as Mary did into hers. And that's what it says, so that it may go well with you. And, and, and I just pray that you'd let, let the church come alongside you and help you with your kids. Fourth thought, followers of Christ must get involved in our public schools. Some people think we're just about our Christian school around here. couldn't be further from the truth. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this there's going to be a ton of principals, administrators, and teachers in the public school system that come out of Horizon. And they've been raised up to be loving, grace and truth-filled influencers. But here's what I want you to know. We want to reach everybody. We have a strategy that's way broader than just what we do in these buildings. And we care about our public schools. Matthew 5.13 says this, you are the salt of the earth but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Again, why are the public school systems where they are? Largely because we came, became so afraid, we just moved out. We just decided that uh, we, we want to huddle up and protect ourselves, rather than being influencers as, as administrators and educators and, and being on school boards and students who are reaching out. Now, salt uh, gives flavor, but you know salt's also a, preservative. And what's happened in our country morally is largely because the salt that's us and the light, we've kind of moved away. <clears throat> so that flavor's not there, the right flavor and <clears throat> and not only that, but but the moral compass has been lost be, because salts that preservative and it hasn't been preserved because we haven't been around enough. We have a Horizon Community Church youth group here that has some fantastic students. And there's one of them specifically that is a leader for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Wilsonville. And man, he's, he's really blessing me as I see him being used of God. The other day at FCA, this is at Wilsonville. Right now, they had almost 200 students gather for a huddle. That's a little bigger than a huddle, 200 people. And then the word of God was spoken and kids felt the truth and love and something of a revival is happening at Wilsonville and we are thrilled about it. Donnie Moore is gonna do an assembly at Wilsonville next year when he comes back. We're trying to get into public schools. Pray that we can get into Walton and Sherwood. But we're in Wilsonville. Now somebody made a mistake, at least I thought, when we had Donnie doing our, our, our chapels for the school they invited the students from Wilsonville to come and listen. Well, here's why I was nervous about that. Donnie's going to talk about the word of God and Jesus at at our chapel, right? But he's not going to do it at Wilsonville. So I'm thinking, oh, man, these student government kids are going to come in, five of them, they're going to look and say, no way, he's religious, don't do it. So when I heard it, I was like, oh, no, that's not how it should work. And these students came in and Donnie talked about Jesus and there was an altar call and the presence of God was there. And you know what their response was? They loved it. And they went back and said, We want, yeah, we should have them. And so the principal called and said, Well, you know, we're a little worried about paying the cost. and, And the church said, No, you don't have to pay anything. That's us. That's on us. We'll pay it. Hey, we want to reach our schools, we want to reach these students. God's doing something. Recently, our high school, Horizon Christian High School, had a serve day at Tualatin Elementary. Some of you saw that video a few weeks ago. And there were 15 items that they took care of. They taught in classrooms. They become mentor readers. Uh, They were helping at recess. They were painting walls. They were building tables and redoing the teacher's room. And about $5,000 of work and 120 students and adults hit that campus from Horizon Christian High School. And the people were shocked. We didn't share the words of Jesus, but you know the gospel is not just words, it's deeds too. Jesus walked everywhere speaking and loving, not just speaking. And we went and loved. And you know what the response of Tualatin Elementary School was? When they saw students serving, loving, giving like that, not imposing their belief system, but just caring, they said, do you think your church would adopt this school? And we said, yeah, we'd like to do that. So we're trying to work that out. Pray about that right now. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 2.12. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and will give glory to God on the day when Christ comes again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We need students who care. We need teachers and administrators and school board members and volunteers involved and engaged in our public schools. And I'm praying this week that God will speak to some of you that your place of ministry is with the public school. In one of these places. Because you know why? Because we don't want to hole up in the aquarium here. Are we just going to catch fish in the aquarium? I mean, how much fun can that be, catching the same fish over and over again? We'll probably kill them eventually if we try that too much. (laughs) Too many hooks, too much. But if we go out and spread the love of God to our community the way the Lord's called us to, if we become salt and light, if we're sitting at the table with those school administrators. We become people who influence. Influence policy. Influence procedure. And we, when we care and we love them, they want to listen to us. I really think we need to be careful not to be political. I, I really think we've messed up through the years. And I believe a lot of well-intentioned people and perhaps even myself along the way some I think we made some mistakes what we did is we made it about a value system rather than about Jesus so it became political we didn't mean for it to happen but that's what happened became liberal and conservative I think that's hurt the church the whole liberal conservative thing I don't see it in the Bible anywhere I see Jesus in the Bible I see people following Christ with all their hearts But here's the deal, when you look at it the way Jesus did it, what he did is he went into a place and loved people and cared about them. You've heard me say before, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't think Jesus would walk onto the public high school and say, obey the Ten Commandments or I'm going to burn the place. That's the way some believers are acting. I don't think you're going to get a lot of influence that way. Jesus' love. Listen to what it says about Jesus. Luke 4, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So how do we go? Loving, gracious words. These, these are people of influence, right? Grace and truth. We don't let go of the truth. When they're ready to hear from us, we share our thoughts, right? With love, grace, the love and truth. Then it says in Proverbs sixteen twenty one, the wise are known for their understanding and pleasant words are persuasive. <laughs> I think we should go like the Bible says to go. That's what I think. We don't have to have Jesus stamped all over the curriculum in our public schools. When believers are at the table in that discussion, good things will come about. But we have to be there long haul, long term with love. there'll be a godly perspective that is respected as part of the influence of people who've cared for a long, long time. And we'll be showing them the gospel not just word but with deed as well. Don't get political, get biblical. (laughs) Grace and truth, love. So I want to close with this story. It's about a public school teacher the fellow who wrote it's from our church, he's not here today. He and his wife, Tiffany Ordonez. This is Carlos who wrote this. Tiffany's a, one of the dynamic young worship leaders among us that's been leading recently. But her husband, Carlos, told me this story recently. I said, Carlos, would you write that down for me and would you let me share it? He said, Sure. So he moved to America from Panama. And as a student in this new school system, uh, things, things weren't easy, right, when you're, when, when you're breaking into an Ameri- a whole different culture. And there was a teacher there that really influenced him, a really nice lady named Mrs. Cortez. And she was nice to some of his friends too, and she would quite often talk to them after class. And he said, my freshman year of high school was, was just two years after moving from Panama. And I attended Edison High School. This is one of the Stockton High Schools that Donnie Moore talked about last week. But this is a few years ago. I attended Edison in Stockton, California. After class one day, three of my friends and I stayed to talk with the earth science teacher, Mrs. Cortez, as we often did. But that day, Mrs. Cortez asked us a life changing question. This public school teacher said to these kids, Would you like to pray with me to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Carlos said, My friends and I just prayed. We prayed the prayer and, and we made changes in our lives. He said that for the next year, Mrs. Cortez picked them up and took them to youth group every Wednesday night for the whole year. He said, that's where I came to know the Lord. That's where I grew in my relationship with the Lord. To this day, Mrs. Cortez is still mentoring her students and sharing the love of Christ with them the same way she did with me. I'm so thankful that there are teachers in the public school system who care, who love, who reach out to students.